are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Captain? Yes? If you had to pick a Batman ship to ship, which would it be? What? Wait, where is this coming from? Actually, you know what? I don't care. Let's write fanfic. Okay, let's go with a lesser used ship, say Joker and Penguin? Really? Not good? I don't know. I just find there to be more of a sibling dynamic between those two. Yeah, I mean, I see what you mean. Joker is like the older, more domineering brother, and then the Penguin... Just wanting his big brother to recognize his contribution. Oh, I am detecting some parentification there. Well, as Murray Bowen was wont to point out, dyadic sibling pairs are complicated. But aren't we forgetting something? The greatest love of all? The fraudest Batman ship of all the Batman ships? I think I know where you're going with this. Joker and Catwoman and Batman. Wait, Wait, what? What? Hi, everybody. Welcome back aboard the Starship Therapies. I am your captain, Justine Mastin, LMFT, psychotherapist, writer, researcher, and happy to be here. And I'm Larissa Garski, licensed marriage and family therapist, writer, researcher, and Spockian first officer here in the Starship Therapies. Just as a reminder to our friends at home, just because we are therapists doesn't mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. And now to the ship at hand. Joker and Batman. No, Catwoman and Batman. Honestly, Spock, I don't see how we can continue to talk about the important marriage and family therapy concepts of rules, roles, and boundaries. If we can't even agree on a fucking ship. Agree to disagree? No. Well, how about we circle back to it after we've talked a bit more about today's topic? Fine. As always, sir, I appreciate your diplomacy and willingness to compromise. Yeah, yeah, the galaxy is fortunate to have my services. (laughs) As we were saying, today we're going to explore the concepts of rules, roles, and boundaries through the lens of Batman but not just any version of Batman. No, no. There are literally hundreds of iterations of Batman. Thousands, millions, trillions. Well, maybe that's the case if we included everyone's individual headcanon, Batman. And why shouldn't we? Fair point. Uh... (laughs) 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 (sighs) Yes, but today we have decided to focus on one particular version of Batman who for us here at the Starship Therapies epitomizes the ideals of the Dark Knight, Lego Batman. Now, some of you might be asking, why did we pick Lego Batman? Well, I should think that the answer is fairly obvious here, sir. Lego Batman is not only the funniest and, if I may say, the cutest Batman. He is also, right? He is also the Batman that faces the full ramifications of Bruce's family trauma head on. And by doing so, he is able to transform a story of trauma and loss into a story of healing and hope. He grows up, becomes the father he lacks, adopts a young and highly acrobatic child, (laughs) and 
is finally able to enter into a loving partnership with his longtime forever love, the Joker. Ha! So you admit it. Bats and jokes are the ship to ship in the bat universe. Yeah, you found me out. I only said Catwoman to frustrate you. <laughs> oh, Spock, you're playing pranks. As we were saying, Lego Batman highlights the struggles that every family goes through as they attempt to navigate change, growth, and development. Because at its core, the story of Batman is the story of a human being reeling from the loss of his supportive family. Although I do have to say that I don't think Alfred is given enough credit for keeping Master Wayne safe all those years. Like, he was a bomb-ass chosen father who was there the whole time for Bruce. And... Yep, yep. You know what? That is, that is a great point, sir. Alfred was the person who enforced rules, roles, and some boundaries for young Bruce. Um, and there is a bit of boundary confusion there, of course, because Alfred is technically his servant, but is also clearly his caretaker and family. Yeah, you know, I never really gave it much thought, but Bruce uh, is kind of a dick to Alfred. Like, that dude raised you, and you keep him as a waiter? Uh, anyway, um, let us return to the Legos. In this, our favorite Batman iteration, Bruce is holding what are called rigid boundaries. You can think of rigid boundaries like a brick wall. So nothing can come in and nothing can go out. People like brick walls because they're safe. Um, but unfortunately, when you are behind those rigid brick walls, it's really fucking lonely. The opposite of these kinds of rigid brick wall boundaries would be the boundaries that we see in young Robin, who has extremely diffuse boundaries. He tells anyone and everyone who will listen pretty much everything about himself. And while on the surface that might seem positive, this is actually another form of pushing people away because it's overwhelming. The goal in terms of boundaries are what's called flexible boundaries, neither too rigid nor too diffuse. You can think of them as a wall with a door in it. You can close the door and even lock it, but you are mindful as to who is allowed to enter. But it makes me wonder, does anybody in Lego Batman have flexible boundaries? That's a great question. And honestly, I think maybe the closest we come is with Alfred. Oh, he's the best. He is. But, and you might not like this, sir, even that's a little bit of a stretch. I'm well, uh I know, but let, like, hear me out here. Mm -hmm. I cite Alfred as an example because there are parts of himself that he keeps from Master Bruce. Alfred doesn't tell him everything about himself, nor does he shut the young Bruce out. He shares things with Bruce as he feels it is developmentally appropriate to do so. For example, Alfred doesn't gently encourage Bruce to talk about his feelings towards his dead parents when he's a young boy reeling from their traumatic loss. Instead, Alfred attempts to have this conversation with Bruce at a time when it is most developmentally appropriate to do so, when Bruce has become an adult. Oh, so Bruce is standing in front of the pictures in his great hall, his great Lego hall, mm -hmm. and um, is staring wistfully at the picture, the selfie he took of him and his parents, and Alfred's like, hey, is there something you want to talk about? It, that was an appropriate time to do it because uh, Bruce is a grown-up. Yeah, and, and, and Alfred's also kind of like reading the social cues from Bruce. Like, Bruce is not in his Batman outfit. I believe he's in some like sort of like plaid dressing gown sitch. And I he's, think he's still he, wearing his mask. But he, well, he is because sure. he, he, yeah, he wears it throughout the, the show probably because of animation costs. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe for some other reason. <laughs> but regardless, like, 
he's he's in his like you know after hours apparel and he's gazing <laughs> at this photo of his parents wistfully i mean the emotions are radiating off this man and alfred sensitive you know caretaking soul that he is senses also a this uh, truth yes but we're focusing <laughs> on the more like maybe like developmentally appropriate role that alan Al- that alfred has right now um, but yeah, like he sees this, he sees this going on and he attempts to engage Master Bruce in discussion. And I think we all remember what happens next. Mm-hmm. Yes. The rest of the movie. So um, <laughs> what about rules and roles? Ah, uh, yes. Two of the greatest challenges for bats, perhaps in part because of Alfred. Don't you dare blame Alfred after all he did for Bruce. That man is a saint. That man is amazing. That man can never do any wrong. Sir, sir, Hmm. take a breath. (sighs) No one is criticizing Alfred. Good. He did the best he could under enormously challenging circumstances. I only mean to say that we see the limits in what he as one person could do in the ways that Bruce struggles with roles as an adult. After he loses his parents, Alfred becomes everything to Bruce. Butler, father, mother, sibling, playmate, compassionate rule enforcer. Alfred was put in a position where arguably he had to take on way too much. But of course, he he did the best he could. The man is a saint. Yes, he worked very hard. But the impact of having a caregiver who tries to fulfill all roles is that as an adult, Bruce has a serious case of role confusion. Oh yeah, he totally does. I mean... You've got Robin, who he takes on as a surrogate son, but then half the time he's his best friend. And And then then the other half of the time, he's the sternest of parental figures. Robin's kind of tough. Great tights, though. Truth. And this isn't to say that it is inherently unhealthy to have several different roles in a relationship. In fact, that's quite common in daily life. The trouble often starts when a person is unclear on what role is appropriate to a given situation. And if we pair this internal role confusion with unclear rules, we get... Attitude. (laughs) I couldn't have said it better myself, (laughs) sir. (laughs) This ep was terribly lacking in the portmanteau department. So thanks for that. You are welcome. But wait, could you say more about rules? And don't you dare say anything negative about Alfred. Nobody wants to hear it. Well, rules are the tenets of the family system. They aren't always explicitly stated, but everyone knows what they are and follows them. Right. So a great example of this would be the rule that's very strictly observed in the uh, Wayne household that bat suits are for the bat cave only. In Wayne Manor, we cosplay as regular humans and dress accordingly. Unless you want to keep on your mask to eat your lobster thermidor, of course. <laughs> great point. Hey, Rules are Larissa. <laughs> yeah. I lobster. Therm adore you. I did not see that one coming, sir. Ironically, <laughs> I, I mean, and and as you know, I feel the same. Um, but do that's you a lot. Lobster <laughs> therm adore me. Please don't make me say it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So let's get back to the task at hand. <laughs> rules are also closely connected to roles. As your example shows so well, the rule about bat suits also lets family members know what role they should take on and when. You take on the role of Batman in the Batcave, whereas you swap roles and take on the role of Master Bruce when you're in Wayne Manor. So in Wayne Manor, 
Alfred and later Robin are going to treat you and respond to you as your Bruce Wayne when you're in the house or the manor, if you will. When you go to the Batcave, how they respond to you is going to be different. And they're going to know to respond differently because you have physically put on a different role. Mm-hmm. Alfred taught him well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. But clearly, Lego Batman is struggling with role confusion, as evidenced by keeping his mask on, even while he eats. Well, maybe his mask is just comfortable. Yes, sir. Rubber is known for its breathability. It's true. Wait. No, it's not. But I see your <laughs> point about the role confusion. It's really there. I hope that Alfred is well compensated. He at least has to have a pension, right? God, I, I all hope so. It's so confusing. But anyway, um, I this this has all been very important. But mm-hmm. I feel that we must get back to our original ship conversation. Let's talk bats and jokes. Let's. All right. So for listeners at home, actually, Batman and Joker Legos give us a really excellent example of how rules, roles, and boundaries as you're growing up impact the way you interact with other humans as an adult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think the Batman and Joker romantic dynamic gives us a great example (laughs) of what can happen in our first big adult romantic relationship when there's been some struggle from our family of origin related to rules, roles, and boundaries. So for Batman, or Mm -hmm. rather for for Bruce, let's talk about Bruce. Yeah. When, When Bruce is growing up, he is the head of Wayne Manor. Um, so he's like the boss. And while, while Alfred is, you know, his caretaker, he's still the butler. So there's, mm-hmm. there's all that role confusion. And so Bruce is used to being a loner. And that's, right. his, that's his role. That's how he sees himself. He sees himself as this, like, lone wolf. Right. Who's and, also, I think it's important to point out, also all-powerful. So his role is that yeah. he's, like, this lone guy mm-hmm. who has all kinds of power, that, and he doesn't share it. And maybe mm-hmm. a key, and like this brings us back to the trouble with Bruce and Alfred, is that like Alfred is, he, in, in many ways, he is not Bruce's equal because he is the butler. Like he is the mm-hmm. paid help. And so Bruce very much grows up and comes of age seeing himself as this like lone wolf, semi godlike figure who gets to do whatever he wants whenever he wants it. And that's going to be a problem when he falls in love. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right. Because, w- well, what is your role in that relationship? How can you have a relationship when your vision of yourself is this all-powerful being? How could somebody possibly be your equal? How could you see them as your equal? You'd kind of have no concept of what that looked like. Right. And the other thing that I think is, that is important to point out here is that if you were going to find an equal, it would need to be someone who in some ways could match you energetically where you're at which is part of why i think people are drawn to the bats and joker ship right because Mm -hmm. joker is very much like the shadow side of batman Mm -hmm. and his equal when it comes to you know a problematic upbringing no doubt (laughs) and and his equal in thinking of himself as like all-powerful and godlike so you have this very much like meeting of these two you know, megalomaniac figures, and they can't help but have the hots for each other. But then it's like, what <laughs> What do we do next, right? 
Yeah. Because the rules are that like I'm in charge for both of them. And in a relationship, you can't do that. You have to work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An example that I use when I work with couples is that a relationship is like a dance. You're mm-hmm. on the dance floor and one person needs to take a step forward. The other person needs to take a step back and you do that back and forth and you're dancing. Um, but if one person is constantly stepping forward, the other person is constantly stepping back and they wind up off the dance floor. If we're both stepping forward at the same time, we're not dancing. No, you know what we are doing, though? We're fighting. We are exactly fighting. (laughs) And that's partly why Batman and Joker are fighting all the goddamn time instead of Mm -hmm. dancing. Yep. Yep. Which, I mean, both are entertaining to watch. It's true. Um, (laughs) But we just wish those crazy kids could get it together. And let us, for just a moment, talk about the boundaries in Bats and Jokes relationship. So important here. So important. Because uh, really, Bruce doesn't have a ton of boundaries in his personal life. I mean, he he tells Alfred everything. Alfred Mm -hmm. knows everything about him. Um, Alfred watches him on screens when he goes to do stuff. And Alfred has decent boundaries with, uh, with Bruce. But... I mean, other than keeping his secret identity a secret, right? like the world knows what Bruce Wayne's up to. I mean, how could you not? Right. How could you Like, like there's one person in all of Gotham City who has like the money to pay for all the Batman toys and it's not Bruce Wayne. It's Bruce. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, do do a little critical thinking, people of Gotham. But anyway, Mm. maybe if they weren't, maybe if it wasn't so... Um, poverty and crime stricken they would have time right for, maybe for if there was some some like wealth reallocation happening <laughs> we could spend all day talking about the social justice warrioring we could do mm-hmm. in gotham city it's true um, but i will bring us back to boundaries so what would what would bruce or, or batman um even know what what kind of boundaries to hold with their romantic partner as we've talked about batman's boundaries tend to be all or nothing you're either totally with me and watching me on video cameras like alfred or you're totally against me but what we need in a relationship is we need room for gray areas and we also need boundaries that allow that allows for like space and time together and space and time apart And Bruce doesn't know how to do any of that. And also, I think really crucially, he doesn't know how to have conversations about boundaries or about or to like explicitly talk about here are the roles that I think we should have and here are the rules that might govern them. What do you think, romantic partner Joker? Like he doesn't know how to do that. And like that's also, (laughs) but it's not like all like rag on Batman. Joker doesn't seem to have like any ability to do these things either. No, Joker is like, I am in love with bats. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Bats is in love with me because I um, can't see outside of myself and whatever I believe to be true must be true. Right. Um, I mean, in in this case, he's correct. But there's been no conversations around that. No. And you and like and in phrasing it that way. And I love that you did, because it also kind of it, it, it it alludes to what might be drawing these two men together. Right. Because. Batman, though he is like a ball of need, he's a ball of emotional need. Mm-hmm. Um, but he likes to think of himself as this like logical, rational dude, which I think is partly why he has these like 
brick wall boundaries because he wants to think of himself as being like logical and to the point and saving people. And that's what he does. Whereas the Joker is, is if we can give him anything, he is very upfront about being like purely emotion mind all the time, 24 seven to call back to our very first inaugural episode of the Starship Therapies. The Joker is all about emotion. And he's honest about that. Whereas like Bruce doesn't know how to be. One of the rules in Wayne Manor is that we're not really honest about what we're feeling. Mm-hmm. That's super problematic for Bruce. And so then here's this man who's like very upfront about his emotions and he can't help but kind of be attracted to that and be like, oh, what would that be like? But his boundaries really get in the way. As I'm listening to you talk, I can't help but think of how this dyadic relationship shows up in fandom in, in other places. Like all I could think of as you're talking is you're talking about BBC Sherlock. Yes. Like you are describing BBC Sherlock and Moriarty that, you know, Sherlock is all emotion, but would never say that it would never describe himself that way. And Moriarty is all emotion. And I mean, they can't help but just be in love. Or at least, yeah, or at least be attracted to each other, right? Because like they mm-hmm. each need a little bit of what the other one has to reach a state of equilibrium. Yeah. And we see that in systems all the time, right? That like when you can't do some big things for yourself, you're going to be attracted to somebody else who can do it, but you're also going to be limited by like how attracted you are going to be limited by kind of where you're at developmentally and like individually at that time. So Batman's also like, he's going to be more attracted to the Joker than he ever would be to, mm, I don't know, Catwoman's not great, but maybe like Batgirl, if we like took out like the weird sort of like father-daughter dynamics there for a second because like Batgirl I think is a good example of someone who is like very differentiated in the sense that like she knows who she is she knows what she's about she has a sense of her family of origin and the rules rules and boundaries she inherited from them but she's also made changes to hers that like better fit and are more representative of her of her life so she would need a partner who's kind of like on that awareness level so to speak Batman is not really going to speak to her because he's not there he's going to be drawn to the Joker because they're at kind of similar playing fields when it comes to their levels of differentiation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this um, this makes me think back to our last episode on Chosen Family and about how important it is to be mindful as you're choosing the people that you bring into your life and be, being mindful that you're not playing out the shit from your past. And that's a lot of what we're talking about here because we, um, as we talked about, if you listen to the last ep, is we as humans gravitate towards homeostasis, which is the status quo. And we're going to gravitate towards things that feel familiar. Actually, I don't know that that's a great example of what you just said. Because you're talking about hole filling. No, I think what you said was, I think it worked. Um, Though I have to be honest, I wasn't 100% listening because I wanted to double check the definition of differentiation because I think (laughs) I should make sure to put it out there, listeners, that like, this understanding of rules, roles, and boundaries leads us to differentiation of self. And this is a concept that was um, created by the, the, one of the founding fathers of marriage and family therapy, if you will, Murray Bowen. And it, and it attempts to describe the ever-evolving process that an adult human goes through to separate their intellectual and emotional functioning from that of their family of origin. So it's starting to gain perspective and understanding on the rules, roles, and boundaries of their family, understand how it shaped them, and now get a sense of kind of what fits for me, what do I want to pass back, 
which is very Carl Whitaker, but you know, playing fast and loose with MFT terms here. <laughs> and then they get a sense of kind of how do I want to be as an adult? And like Batgirl's like, she's on her way to that differentiation of self. Batman, Joker, no. <laughs> they are not. Which is part of why they're attracted to each other. And that's something else that Murray Bowen theorized is that people are going to be attracted to somebody who's on a similar kind of like plane differentiation wise. So friends at home, we invite you to start um, looking around yourself and within yourself and asking the question, what, what do I feel like are the rules, roles and boundaries in my life now? And if you're up to it, taking a look backwards and what are the rules, roles and boundaries in the family that I grew up in? And if you go back to our ep on social constructionism, guess what? You can reauthor these rules, roles, and boundaries now as an adult. You don't have to recreate stuff from the past. But it's helpful to be able to recognize uh, the rules, roles, and boundaries that you have in your life and that you grew up with so that you know what you want to change and what you want to keep. And for a great example of how to do this, and how frankly transformative this process can be, genuinely, I would, you know, encourage folks to check out Lego Batman if they haven't done so already. Because by the end of that movie, spoilers. I, you know, spoilers, Bats is a very different Bats than, than the way he started. All right. So guys, if you want to Google some stuff, I would say rules, roles, and boundaries are an obvious, but frankly, a pretty decent place to start. Um, and then we talked quite a bit about differentiation at the end here today. Um, we circled back and talked a little bit about um, rational mind and emotion mind, which we talked way, way back in our first episode. And then Marie Bowen and Carl Whitaker, oldies but goodies. And fun fact, I did pronounce their names correctly. <laughs> we know you did because we went to grad school to learn how to say those names. <laughs> True. We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song, to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthy, who designed our beautiful cover art, and finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens, who definitely earned his lobster thermidor today. Hey, Brian, I lobster therm adore you. <laughs> Tune in to our next episode on parentification through the lens of Jessica Jones. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And the best way you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And don't forget to tell your friends. And as always, friends, live, live long, long and, and prosper. prosper.